If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Question is, why did the Toronto police go to this Norfolk County home of a well-known gunsmith, shoot and kill him? There's nothing about this case that makes any sense, which uh, I think is why we should be making sure that we get a very clear explanation as the investigation now sits with the SIU for God knows how long. And Roger Katenko, um, we've talked about him on this show. He was known to be one of the most reputable gunsmiths across this country, not just for his skills of how to handle weapons, but repairing them. I mean, he was known around the world. He's worked with our military, our local police forces, who he repaired weapons for. And on the day Roger was shot four times, he was actually supposed to be going fishing with his brother, and instead, a Toronto police unit shows up at his front door. They bring their own ambulance. And within minutes of arriving, four bullets are pumped into him, including in his neck. I want to bring in Mike Smitchuk to the conversation, founder of Smitchuk Injury Law. And he's also been hired by the family of Roger Contenko. Good to have you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me tonight. This man was known to have weaponry, and so there shouldn't be a police force across this country, certainly in Ontario, that wouldn't know who he was, he was registered, he would be well-known uh, a name, and yet they arrived with warrant in hand, and no one has a clue as to what was on that warrant because they didn't really present it. It seems like they shot before questioning. Am I getting the scenario right here? I, I think you've got it exactly right that, uh, number one, no one has ever seen the this warrant. Uh, apparently there is one. It's now sealed, is what we understand, so we can't even get our hands on it. And, yeah, they did exactly that. You know, I've said before the Toronto police are supposed to protect and serve. Instead, they surprised and attacked in this case. But it, it would be known, if you looked up this man's name, who he was, Correct. Oh, yes. He was very well known in uh, in the community and far and wide in Canada, Yeah, unless you're grossly negligent, right? Unless you just haven't done your due diligence. And one of the issues that we have and that a, a big question we have is how much uh, information did the Toronto Police share with the local OPP? Mm-hmm. Because the local OPP had actually, some of them had even had their guns uh, serviced by Roger. So if they'd simply contacted the local OPP, they could have found out a lot of information about this gentleman. Well, I do find it odd that no one from the Norfolk OPP would be in attendance of this uh, altercation or this incident or this execution of the warrant. Uh, they may have been notified. I don't know. And I don't know, as like you, I don't know what's on the warrant because, of course, it's all sealed now behind the the SIU. Um, but why is it not Mike, regular for the local detach to be put on alert when something like this happens? That's my understanding that, um, you know, that there's been a maybe in the past it wasn't there wasn't as much information shared and um, they didn't really coordinate things. But now uh, that that is commonplace, that if you're going to come into another jurisdiction, I'll call it, that you would want to coordinate with the local police. And in this case, seemingly that wasn't done. We do know that the OPP arrived after the shots were fired, like they were not on the scene when this actually happened. Right, which begs the question, what possibly could have happened to have them 
fire off shots so quickly. As I understand, and, and correct me where the story might not be right, uh, his wife had just arrived home from shopping. He was in his um, his office where all his weaponry would be, and they get to the door, they detain her, but like basically it sounds like shots were fired almost immediately. You've got it right. And, you know, the troubling part about this is actually Roger was out with his wife shopping. They had returned home. And then we have information that there was a spotter vehicle on the roadway, uh, presumably from, you know, from the police, and they would have known that they were returning. And rather than wait until Roger is in his shop with, you know, with guns and with a customer, you know, they, 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 instead of, a lot of, of grabbing him or stopping him at the driveway, they let him get into the shop. And it's almost like, you know, it was a recipe for disaster the way this was planned. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not sure how common it is, albeit it stuck out to me in the report. Why, why would Toronto bring its own ambulance to the scene? I mean, my thinking is you execute a search warrant, you bring the local police station to act as backup, uh, and they would supply uh, an ambulance if it were needed. But when you're going to a call to a house and you bring an ambulance, it's almost as if you expect something to happen. Well, that's certainly what it seems like. And that's a question we have on our mind as well. You know, one of one of the questions is, uh, you know, because of this lack of coordination with the police and with the local uh, ambulance, the paramedics, is it is there a lack of trust perhaps in, with the local police? I don't know. Uh, again, we're speculating because we just don't have answers to so many questions. Had there been any issue with Mr. Contenko in the past that we don't know about or that hasn't been reported? I mean, to think that four bullets had to be pumped into him as if he were some th sort of threat. I mean, he was 70, so it's not exactly like he's in his prime. And as I understand, he moved pretty slowly. One of his friends kind of described him as a sloth. So, I mean, if he's known on the registries to police locally, certainly that he's a gunsmith, if he's known throughout Canada and the world as a very reputable gunsmith, um, you know, the timing of shots fired to the kind of threat he posed, unless they were, you know, officers that weren't, um, you know, didn't reveal themselves to him and he thought maybe he was under attack. Well, that, that's certainly possible. And, uh you know, the the analogy that I've used is, you know, if the police showed up at a butcher shop and they saw a butcher with a knife, would they perceive that as a threat? You, you have to you have to factor in that he's a gunsmith. There will be guns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's the concern here that perhaps, you know, this was just planned extremely poorly and clearly executed uh, poorly as well. And so how do you. Um investigate, let alone represent the family, um, when you can't get any information, given that this particular uh, situation is a high profile, um, but it's also kind of locked behind, uh, you know, the, the SIU. Um, they say it'll be a couple of months, but in my experience, Mike, uh, I have yet to see the SIU move fast, and, and these things can take, you know, eight, nine months before we yeah. start getting answers. No, that's that's absolutely true. And, it, and it's just gut wrenching for the family. Um, you know, they want answers. They want answers now. And they're they're just at a, a great loss. But in terms of, you know, an investigation, we do, you know, we do respect the SIU's investigation and want that to run its course. But at the same time, you know, certainly uh, we've been approached by many members of the community that are very concerned, that want to help in any way they can. And so we're doing our own parallel 
investigation as best we can. You know, it's it's there's so much information that the police will have that we don't. You know, were there body cameras? We don't know. Um, so you know, that's that's another piece of the puzzle that we're looking to you know to to solve. The other thing is, uh, according to reports, his wife, Julie, uh, has no idea of this warrant. Like when you go into someone's home with a warrant, you present the warrant and that's the permission for the police to enter the premises. And yet no one saw a warrant, to my knowledge, um, and and there were no directions and or, um, you know, instructions left for Julie as to what the actual um, search was being conducted. That's right. That's not normal. Well, that, that's right. But the um, the other factor is that uh, Roger's wife doesn't even speak English very well. She speaks Cantonese. And so mm-hmm. there, there's also a language barrier there. But certainly, um, you know, there was there was no warrant left. And she she had a very hard time comprehending even what was happening because it happened so suddenly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she and she is. I will say she's extremely traumatized by this, and it's something that I think that she'll never forget about. Yeah, I mean, as I understand, they married back in 2012. He had just brought her over to Canada a few years ago from Asia, and so she doesn't have a lot of family or support system. But certainly he's got family, and they have all come to you to find these answers. And, and Mike, what in your mind is um, kind of the, the biggest thing that sticks out to you? Well, you know, it, there's there's three parts to this. There's the warrant. You know, on what grounds was the warrant issued? Um, to be a gunsmith, you need to be squeaky clean. Or, you know, they, uh, you will lose your license really quickly. So we want to know what the basis was. Uh, number two, we want to see the warrant. And then when you turn to the planning of the actual raid, you know, why was it, like I said, did they wait for him to get into a shop? They could have taken him uh, on the driveway. They could have stopped him. And, um, you know, why did they wait for an alleged customer to get in the shop as well and endanger the customer's life. Uh, so it's it's really strange. Um, and then, you know, what else do they have? Do they have body cameras? Uh, what other information is out there? So there, there's just so many questions, questions rolling around, and that's why there's so much community concern out in Norfolk County. Everyone is talking about it, and everyone's concerned. Nonetheless, we will stay on this, make sure it's kept in the uh, headlines so that we can get some answers for them. Uh, Mike, very much appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That is Micah Smitschuk, who is representing the family of Roger Kentanko on a situation and a, a story that certainly does not make a lot of sense right now. And so I hope for once in their life, the SIU can actually finish this within the months that they say it'll take. I am Alex Pearson. This is On Point. You're listening to Global News Radio.